Hey, everyone. Welcome Hello. to the Bodybuilding.com podcast, live from the middle of BFE. You, you know that saying, Hannah Eden, uh, BFE? Don't fuck elsewhere. <laughs> Egypt. Oh, there we go. Egypt. <laughs> I'm the host up here. I'm Nick Collius for the last 60, 70 episodes. Uh, and her, she's Heather Eastman. She's our co-host, uh, Ever Stalwart, personal trainer, physique coach, and judge. And our guest is somebody we've wanted to have for a really long time. It's Hannah Eden. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, it's, it's Hannah with the red hair. Oh, the one with the red hair, of course. If you're watching, then you're thinking like, what is this futuristic game show that we've landed in the middle of? And it's actually the set of Fire 2.0, uh, the sequel to the sort of level up from Hannah's Fire, which she did for us about, what, three years ago? In uh, Yeah, I think it's, uh, it'll be two years. Mm-hmm. Two years. So, yeah, welcome. Welcome. It's uh, great to have you here. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. And we've definitely leveled up, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, the production is fantastic. This is so cool. Yeah. It's pretty special for us to get to do this from here. Um, now, now, you know, there's a, there's a lot I want to talk about with you, um, but one thing that I feel like I've heard that is worth starting out with is, you know, talking to people who've done fire, they, they have this view of you. They're like, Hannah is like the living embodiment of fitness. You're like, uh, I, I've described you to people as like a super soldier from the future. Like, you know, you're like, you, wow, you just, you, 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 you kind of seem like you're you know, born with a kettlebell in your hand. You fit, fit so naturally in this sort of setting, but that's totally you weren't born to do this. Not at all. Right? Not it, was, at all. it was a long and bumpy road to fitness for you. Absolutely. And I wanted you to tell us a little bit about like, who you were as a kid and a teenager before all of this. Oh, all right. Here we go. So yeah, uh, fitness is definitely something that kind of fell into my lap rather than mm-hmm. it was not destined for me to be that way, this way. And it's, I'm so glad that you asked that question because a lot of people's perception of what's really going on is not reality, right? So... Um, I kind of fell into fitness in 2012, but before getting into that story, as a kid, I was crazy, a hyperactive kid that mm-hmm. was obsessed with doing stuff. Um, Just I, anything. <laughs> anything. Like I was, my dad worked in the toy industry. So as a kid, like you'd think that I'd want all the dolls and everything. He would bring the toys home. I'm like, nope, thank you. I want to go outside and make mud and like throw mud against the wall and play with the boys. And I was such a tom- tomboy. Feral kid. Yeah, like such it. a rebellious, hyperactive kid that my parents tried to control, which they did a great job of it. Um, I was really active into like dance and I loved sports as a young kid. And then um, I went to a private school. And uh, after a private school, I kind of like changed my my perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left a private school and ended up going, like in, we call it senior school. And whenever you go into senior school, you, you kind of go, same, similar to here in the UK, this is um, not in the US, you go to a school depending on where you live, right? In the area mm-hmm. that you're at. So I went to an all girls public school, which was um, a very different world than what I had been exposed to before. And I guess that's kind of like going into high school in, in the US, right? So. It was a different group of friends, a different kind of, it wasn't the kids that you grew up with. And I fell into a place where I stood out and I didn't really like standing out because I had a funny accent because, mm-hmm. you know, my parent, I was raised in a, my parents are incredible. Um, I was very fortunate that my dad had uh, worked extremely hard throughout his life and kind of had nothing but built his future and built his, uh, built a great future for us and provided us with everything that he didn't get growing up. So I was very fortunate as, as a child. And so I went to a school where a lot of people weren't so, mm-hmm. you know, so much. So I kind of fell into this crowd of, I don't want people to know that my parents are 
madly in love and like I have a, a nice home. Like I was embarrassed of that, you know, because I was in a place where a lot of the people that I was going to school with lived in council housing, which is government funded housing and their parents and their, their home life wasn't easy. And um, I try to blend in with that mm-hmm. versus the other way. So I became an extremely rebellious kid that I have no explanation as to why. Um, I just had this like really dark side of me that um, wanted to do bad things and hang out with bad kids and like be this rebel child that mm. I'm not sure why. And I still to this day question why I made certain decisions and why I did certain things. To cut a really long story short, I was in with an extremely bad crowd of kids and I did a lot of bad things and treated people not very nicely and, and also not I got treated bad as well. So understood this whole idea of bullying, right? Of right. like whether I was the bully or whether I was bullied myself. It was like this dark, dark stage in my life. And now looking back on it, years go by, you know, I was in a really dark place. I was dating um, a felon while I was extremely young and my parents were just wrecked and they were like, what do we do, you know? And in their mind, they did everything right. And I was an extremely intelligent kid that had so much potential in sports and in dance that I was talking about before. And then I got to this senior school and was like, fuck this, I want to be a cool kid. And dance isn't cool, sports isn't cool. Skipping school and hanging outside and smoking cigarettes at 12, that's the cool thing to do, you know? And found like this not good side. Long story short, my dad got a job offer here in the US and I'm sure from a parent's point of view at that time, they were like, thank fuck, get this kid out of here, let's go. Anything, anything. Anything, Mm -hmm. you know, know, it wasn't looking good for me. And so we did and we moved over to the US when I was 16, which at that time was like, the whole world was pulled from beneath me. I'd never moved house before and I was this stubborn child and now all of a sudden I've got to move to the US. I've got to go to this new place where everyone, I definitely stand out now, right? Like I've got this really strange accent. I'm like so ghetto. I used to gel my hair down to my head. Like didn't fit in at all. Bright in, red hair. Exa- well, exactly, form <laughs> of red hair. No, I was just stood out. So I came over here and I was just such a brat, horrible child, gave my parents one hell of a time for mm. making me do that and have hurt, probably hurt them so much, which I would try and make you up for now. just call and apologize every yeah, once in a while? Yeah, every day. Like, I try <laughs> and repay for, oh, I was the worst child. So I had a choice, right, which was you go to school. I had to finish, which was devastating because in England you finish at 16. So I thought I was, like, on top of the world. And I came back here and it's like, if you want to go to college, you've got to go back to high school. Two more years. Yeah, right. two more years. So I did. Um, and something happened. Something happened, whether it was I had a couple teachers at this new school that – told me that they believed in me and told me that I had potential and like those words meant a lot and and I got back into sports again I started doing the things that I knew without that distraction of wherever I went when I went in England and that was when things changed I, I had this perspective on uh switching perspective of rather than blaming my parents it was like I was out of this dark cloud now like thank fuck we moved here thank you so much for this second opportunity to start again and I did and I switched my GPA around ended up graduating with a 4.0 got best portfolio in high school I did really good then I was like okay parents I'm out I'm gonna go to Florida I want to be far away and I did so I came down to well went down to Fort Lauderdale Florida and I've been there ever since Hmm. What, what was it about Florida that that appealed to you Anything to get away from Massachusetts because it was so cold. It was so cold. and I did I, see you shivering in, on set here yesterday. Yeah, I guess I'm you, still don't, like, you don't like the cold? Okay. No. now Especially now I'm in Florida. I've become such a warm climate accustomed to that. But um, yeah, I came down to Florida and it's been... It's been great ever hmm. since. What, what, did you, what did you imagine your future was at that point? Like, obviously, you sort of... The clouds cleared and you're like, okay, maybe... 
maybe I'm not just going to be a cool kid. Maybe, right. Maybe there's something for me. What did you What did you see? So I loved art. I went back to school and in high school I was taking AP photography. So I was in the dark room getting to like process all my own photos and do something that was like an outlet, right? Creative outlet in some way that didn't necessarily having, which didn't include me sitting down. Like I can't sit down. Like I'm extremely hyperactive and I've, I've always been that way. And, you know, I've been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD and, um, and kind of went down that whole route as well, which we can get into that if you'd like to <laughs> or not. But uh, I found a way to channel the energy into something that is great rather than um, being always like told to sit still and stop doing this, stop doing that. It's like right. a lot of people are seeing like and that's I had some of bad. that too. And I feel like now that I'm a dad, I'm constantly telling my kids to sit still yes. too. Like it's just, it's hard to get that, 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 out, that message out of your mind. Like, Jesus Christ, will you sit still already? Right. I feel like if we're all kind of, or if kids that have this, uh, I wouldn't say it's a problem at all. Like mm -hmm. this incredible energy right. that needs to be let out somewhere and it's always frowned upon. But uh, I think that if you are kind of guided in the right direction, mm -hmm. you can channel that energy into something great, which is exactly what I do mm -hmm. now. Right, yeah. And, and that's what I try to do with my kids as well because they're, they're eager to do it. Um, but, I, but I wonder, all through this time in your life, what what you viewed fitness and exercise as did were they like just some bizarre thing that other people did or yeah. were you even curious about that um honestly not really i like i was saying before i was good at it when i was younger and i remember always my teachers saying you know like you you could do really well in track and field then when i went to the us and went back to school i joined the ski team mm -hmm. and the track team but the track team in the school I went to was on a whole different level. I was not even close enough to even try and get into, into that world. They've been there for so long. But the skiing, it was like this adrenaline rush. Like I was not good at it, but man, ripping down those mountains at 8 p.m. when it's so cold and you're wearing nothing but like this tiny little thing and you're mm -hmm. just shredding through the snow. There was something about that that was like, I like this. Mm -hmm. And I like that team sport. And I liked, I guess, feeling part of something, right? And so fitness was kind of filled that for me in a way that I wasn't really aware of until I then came to Florida. Mm. Um, I had nothing to do with fitness when I came to Fort Lauderdale. I actually fell into this really uh, dark world that was incredible. And I say this to this day, I have zero regrets, but I can say that probably because I got out of that black vortex healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but in South Florida, it's a, it's a different world. You know, it's like the entire world um, revolves around going out and partying and this bar scene and it's right. like nightlife and that was what I became obsessed with um, and something that has kind of carried over over from childhood when I was uh, before I went to my rebellious stage I was obsessed with working like I think I got my first job at 12 years old at a horse stable. Again, adrenaline junkie. Shoveling shit. Shoveling shit. <laughs> what what other job is there at a horse stable? <laughs> I would love to do that. I would wake up at like four o'clock in the morning with my mom and I wanted to go to the stables before school, shovel shit, ride a couple horses. Then smoke cigarettes all afternoon. Yeah, smoke cigarettes all <laughs> afternoon and then You're just a go farmer. straight back. That's exactly. all you are. Wow. But it was this... Um, burning desire to work. Like I've always had it in me. So when I moved to Florida, I wanted to get my first job. And my first job was in a bar. Then I worked in the bar at night. I worked in the bar during the day. And then next thing you know, I'm working day and night. I'm working all night. And then it was this very like, I was making a lot of money. So I thought, I'm good. I'm good. This is great. But I was, it's extremely unhealthy. I got into a lot of bad things. Uh, I love to 
rave and party and have a good time. But there's this dark side of me that's always been there mm -hmm. that could have, it could have gone either way. You know, it was very close to just not really coming back. But uh, I managed to pull myself out of it because of fitness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's this addictive personality that has been embedded into my DNA. And that's just who I am. Right. Uh, whether that was with cigarettes, whether that was with the job, whether that was doing bad things. It was like, I'm extremist, right? Whatever I do, I just do. So I kind of stumbled across CrossFit by accident. A friend of mine that I worked with in the bar said, I just uh, bought like part of this CrossFit gym. This is in 2011. Uh, you want to come check it out? I'm like, what the fuck is CrossFit? I don't even know <laughs> I mean, what it's a big is. space. You could have a rave in there if yep. you, if you really like, wanted to. There's a class to. at 6 a.m. I'm like, <laughs> laughing at that. There's a 9.45. I'm like, I don't wake up until like, noon right. you know because that was my life then and so I did I went to uh, that was my time it was noon at 12 p.m I would go to this CrossFit class and I started doing it a couple times and then I'm like hang on I like this I wasn't great but I felt wrecked at the end of it it was like I just had found this release and it was destroying me every day but I wanted to get back up and do it again and then do it again and then I started noticing oh, I'm not going to go out after work tonight because I want to go to CrossFit tomorrow. Or I'm not going to do this tonight because I want to do this tomorrow. And then it started becoming this like, all right, I'm actually getting good at this. And now I don't have to try so hard. This is something that I'm enjoying. I'm fitting in. I'm with all the dudes, which is all I've ever done. You know, I, I can get down and dirty and I feel this feeling that going out and partying all night or getting high and doing all these crazy things, it's not the same thing. This is something different, right? Because it's this huge level of output right. physically, but I'm emotionally feeling something so good. Like maybe this is what I need to hone into rather mm. than the dark side of things, right? Well, it's, it's interesting because you, you talk about that dark time in Florida and that partying and a lot of that is kind of connected to covering up or pushing down pain. Absolutely. And then watching you when you work out, you know, it, it's almost as if to kind of piggyback on his super soldier from the future, idea. It's <laughs> Which almost, I think we need to pursue that. <laughs> yes. It's almost as if you don't feel pain or you're immune to pain. And when you watch the workouts and when you go through them, like you are doing these things, the guys behind you are dying. It's visible on camera. And yet you are just completely pushing through. Do you, like, when did you discover that exercise could replace the, the those dark things and be kind of a, a tool to blunt pain? Right. That's a really, really good way of viewing things. And for the record, I do feel pain. I do feel it. I've just become really fucking good at showing the world that I don't. But I do feel it. And I think, you know, I, I think we all have demons and we all have like these, these dark parts of ourselves, which I'm more than happy to admit that I 100% have this dark streak in me, like I was saying to you guys before. I'm not sure why. And I'm, I'm still going through this journey of trying to figure out where that came from. I had an incredible upbringing. I have two parents that love me so much that are ha happily married and have been for 30 years. You know, it's not like I come from an abusive background or have like this dark past that would give me a reason to need this release or this right. dark side, right? It's just who I am. And I've figured that out. And as a kid, I was super aggressive and, and, and like I had so much energy and, and I had an attitude problem. I was very angry. I would always externally like react to things rather than process them. I never would think before I speak, like that's just who I am, which is not a good thing, right? But I've realized as I'm trying to find myself as a human as a, and as a woman, which I've 
um, gratefully, I guess, but also like it's been a challenging time that I've been on social media since, you know, at a very pivotal point in my life of trying to find out who I am, which I'm still continuing to do, which is why I'd love the fact that social media is so powerful that I can share my experiences with people that are, are going through it too. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very happy with where I'm at in my life and, and kind of who I have in my life. So I don't really give a fuck about what anyone thinks. So I think that's <laughs> but where it can take like, a while to get there. Yeah, it absolutely can. And I think my whole life I was fighting for that, right? It's like I always try and figure these things out. And to, to your point, Heather, which is why why do I enjoy this like extreme feeling? Like why am I why am I trying to release this fitness is an outlet, but what am I trying to do here? Right. And um I think that over time I've started to realize that it's just I don't know. I, I still haven't figured it out entirely, but it's just a process of understanding that we've all got good and bad things about us, but I've found, finally found a way for me to like, release this dark side of me that the rest of my life I feel really good at, and it's a release. Any of those demons, it, yes, I look like an absolute psycho, an absolute crazy person in the middle of my workout, but we all hold on to so much dark and, and bad energy that it's my one hour of my day that I 100% own. There's a lot of things going on in my life. My, my, I'm being pulled in every direction. I'm having to switch from state of mind to state of mind every 20 seconds. It's the one time that I can literally just stop, close my eyes and go, let's just think about what's be present in this moment. Nothing else matters. I own every single second of this. This is for me. This is my way of releasing those demons. Let it all out. And then as soon as we're done here, we can just put a smile on our face and continue with our day. And this is what I've been able to do. And this is what I think that a lot of people need to do. And this is how I don't continue to move through life as a drug addict. You know, this is my way of replacing this hole and filling it with something that you release this, you exert so much for something great, whether it means for my state of mind or to inspire people around the world that this is it, man. This is a lifestyle. This is not because I want to look good. This is because I need this for my mental health. I need this as a way to be exactly who I know that I'm able to be if I can let go of this dark streak that exists, right? No, I think that's, that's a good point. And not, not to get all Joe Rogany about it, but like, you know, people talk about psychedelic drugs now. It's like, oh, it's this great way of changing the brain where it cuts through the stories we tell ourselves and it cuts through the compulsive behavior. And I hear, I, having watched all of the workouts in Fire 1 and some of what's going on in Fire 2, there is that ecstatic sort of experience in there where at the end you're laying on the ground, all, all the adrenaline, all of the emotion just pushed through you in a really intense experience. It's, kind of, it's almost like a religious experience. Yeah. Uh, having, I've watched a ton of people in, at bodybuilding.com just do fire one over and over again because they, at the end they said, there's just, there's no feeling that I've experienced like it. And this is something that was so crazy for, for me and the feedback of, of reading the people that have, have gone through FYR 1.0, you know, like I know that I've always felt like this. And like I said, like I, I have been grateful and fortunate enough to be able to experience this in through social media. So other people have been watching it too. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like embarrassed about the fact that I have all this dark side of me. And like, I was like, never wanted to talk to anyone. I'm like, fine, you know, everything is good here. Like this is just, I just like to work out because I want to win. At that point I was an athlete. And then as I started to realize I've had these opportunities to create programs with companies like bodybuilding.com where you, you are exposed to so many people that other people are kind of ashamed of that. And it's like, no, guys, like we're all, we're all human here. Life fucking sucks. And it throws shit at us all the time. And if we're supposed to react and deal with those on a regular basis when we're surrounded by our ch- children or by your family or by your friends or people in your business, 
it's going to come out some way, right? Like we've all got it. We've all got stress. And whether it means that you have a dark side or you've, you've just got life stress, like we all need somewhere to be able to let that go and to not be in the gym for the wrong reasons. Like it, the purpose of the program was to provide an incredible protocol that will change your body. That was the goal, right? With me setting out to it. But the feedback since then is, yeah, the workout's great. We, we were all working out, mm -hmm. but it is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. The response rate, it's so emotional. Like you don't understand. I cry after workouts. I've, you've changed my life. You've changed the way that I view fitness, but you've allowed me to accept that I have this side of me and like that there's now that this opportunity to release. I don't have to be ashamed of it. It's like, whoa, mm -hmm. this it took a whole different turn, you know, and, and finding a reason is, is our, our logo and our slogan for what my brand stands for. It's like, the reasons come and go, right? The, the reasons, goals, or whatever they are that you're working towards. But my biggest reason is me, right? Is so that I can be who I need to be. And, and I kind of thought that was kind of selfish along the way, but now I'm exposed to so many people. Other people need to know that too, you know, that you, your reason should always be you. And a lot of times it's, um, I feel so bad I'm taking away from my children because I'm choosing my workout over them or, you know, I don't have time. It's like, get your ass up and release because I can guarantee you you're going to be a better mother, a better wife, a better sister, brother, husband, whatever, if you do this for you. Mm -hmm. So you let all of that negative shit out and then you'd be exactly who you're supposed to be for the oh, rest like of the word. world. I like that word, release. That's, that's yeah. a good yeah. word. So I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about how you landed on the style of training that, that, that we see you doing in fire though, because, um, you know, CrossFit is one thing and yes, there's a, there's a ton of that intensity, ton of that release in, in CrossFit, it seems like. Uh, but at the same time, it seems like you've taken from there, taken from other places and kind of found your own voice um, and found, found your own style and blend with, you know, different time, sig different time signatures, different styles, all blended together. How did you start to navigate that and realize like, hey, I might have some a pretty unique recipe that I can pursue? Yeah. Um, so I began my, my kind of like fitness career in CrossFit as an athlete tried to make a name for myself as an athlete. So you did some comp competitive, <clears throat> competitive CrossFit? Yeah, mm -hmm. we did really well. Uh, I was on a team and we finished, this is when CrossFit used to take 15 teams to regionals mm -hmm. and we finished in 16th place, which was like, <laughs> kill me you know but we did really well uh, I got a lot of top 100 finishes in the world and it was like a really cool thing for me and that was like a, I think a, a big shift as well which was like uh, I realized that I was good at something. And I think for my whole life, I was trying to find out what that was. Like we all want approval, right? Or we all want praise in some way. And I figured, oh shit, I'm good at this. Like, so I, I like honed in on it and became obsessed with CrossFit. And I, I said to myself, January, 2013, you're going to commit to being a CrossFit athlete. I'd graduated from school, kept getting all these emails about being a photographer and doing this. I would land these jobs that I dreamt about doing, but get there and be like, <laughs> I need to like move and do more than sit in front of a computer screen or take pictures, you know, I need to do more than this. And so when I got into CrossFit, I got really good really quick, which was my own fault. I didn't have the best coach at that time and I didn't know anything. Mm. All I knew was I was good and I wanted to win. So my mentality behind training was really dumb. I got as strong as I could, as fast as I could, didn't focus on any form, didn't mm. focus on any um, like threshold training by any means. I didn't focus on like progressively getting stronger. I got really strong within a year and 
way too quickly, so much so that I suffered from injuries. Mm -hmm. So my, my muscles grew, but my skeletal system and my ligaments just couldn't handle right, what I had done in, yeah, right. mm -hmm. in such a short amount of time. So unfortunately, I, I, I now still do have three degenerated discs in my spine just from bad form for so many, for so many years. And so I said, you know, I had a fallout. I think this is actually a really important part that people hear this part of the story too. So Pump Fit, that is the gym that I have now, um, began in the old gym that I was a CrossFit coach at. So I began as an athlete, got my certification to become a coach and was coaching CrossFit. Loved it. Um, and then the owner of the gym said, hey, we've got this 7.30 p.m. class that we can't fill. So take it, do something different with it that's not CrossFit, but will fit with what we're doing here. So I'm like, all right, let's think about this. I've got a lot of friends still, because I was still in the bar industry at that point, that will not give CrossFit a chance. Right. They think that it's like going to kill them and that they're going to die and that they're going to get so manly. It's like so bad, you know? So I'm like, you know what? Let's break that mentality. So let's eliminate the barbell. So this opens up the door to so many more people now. Let's, you know, there's no worse feeling that I get to see than someone finishing a CrossFit workout and having to go on the board and write DNF, did not finish. Right. Like way to show everyone that you just failed, right? Junior That's, high all over Yeah, again. it's not cool. Mm -hmm. So I'm like... I don't want to make it rep-based because 15 reps for you could be so much different than 15 reps for me. And I want to make sure that everyone that leaves here feels like they gave everything that they could in the time given. So that's where we kind of separated reps and went for time. Now we've got every level of fitness in the same room. We're going for as much as you can, 30 seconds. If you get one, good for you, give mm -hmm. you a high five. If I get 50, good for you, you get a high five. But everyone is in it. They're giving it their all and they're feeling great, right? So people got addicted to this feeling. And so I did. I tried this class and we started. And I remember it was on this all. It was so, it's so good to see it, right? And like the memories of how where Pump It began. And it started to get good. And it started to, people started to like it. And then I'm like, wow, okay, I'm onto something. Then people were driving like 45 minutes at 7.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night because there was only one class in the day. And then we've got 40 people in the room. And then it's just like, whoa, hang on. There's no one in the CrossFit classes. Everyone is in this. Everything was doing great. But I was young. I was super young and super eager. I was making so much money through the bar industry that I was able to work for free in fitness Monday through Thursday and then work Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday a lot of work. to pay my bills, right? <laughs> so I did. I was doing it for free and we had this great thing. And then we came up with this agreement. And then I stopped and was like, you know what? Why am I working so hard to build mm. someone else's business that doesn't really appreciate me that much? You know, is not seeing how much value is here. And then we got into a slight altercation and he said some words that burned me and that like really hurt me. And I don't think we've ever exchanged a conversation since, which was, don't ever fucking forget who made you. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to bite my tongue, walk away and not retaliate. And I'm going to let my success and my, at that time was the worst motivation, but my success will be my revenge, right? Like this, like, rah. so I did. I went home. I was like, Paolo, who is obviously my husband, that is the background talent of FYR. And I said, listen, fuck this, dude. Like I'm building someone else's business and he has no idea. Like, and I remember always feeling like the girl in the room that could never have an opinion. Or if I was going to say how I felt because it was an all guys business, it would be like, pfft. You know, and I'm like, I'm sick of feeling like that. Like, I know I'm onto something. And this class itself is proving this to me right now. So we Googled how to open a business and drove around straight town. Up straight up. <laughs> how do I open a business? Like, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, no idea what I was doing. And we did. We made it happen. I was driving around town trying to find a place, calling landlords, figure out, signed a lease. And then next thing you know, long story short, 
there was no setup. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, here's how you run a business, Hannah, and you go for it. It was, no, I have a really, this is passion. I'm doing this for free. I know it works. I can fucking do this. And we did. And it was a shit show for the first year and a half, but we've been open now for over three years and we're killing it. And that's just something that I think that people need to know. I know this is diverting off the question that you asked, but it's so important to see that like anyone can do anything that they set their mind to if you just refuse to quit and, and do what you need to do to make it happen. And focus on getting better. Yeah. Yes. Like you could t- that yeah. shit show you're talking about, like, yeah, it's a shit show. You could have, oh, all right, this is not working. We got to stop it. But instead you're like, you know, let's, let's lean into it. Yeah. Let's just actually try to make it yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. And now to answer and come back to your question about how the style of training is similar to CrossFit. So whenever we opened up the new space, um, we got really flexible and really like, you know, why are we staying with one modality? Paolo had just discovered animal flow at that time, which was this, you know, no one really was doing that at right. all. It's we're like pretty early for animal super flow. Super early, right. like three, three and a half years ago. And we're like, all right, let's do it. So Paolo got certified. Then we started playing with it and putting it in the programming. And then we realized that people loved it. And then we were trying other things. And we're like, why are we staying inside of this box of like only doing these things? Like no one owns fitness. No one owns the rights to anything. Like you, you make fitness whatever you want. And with my ADD mind, I don't want to be doing the same things all the time time because I'm going to get bored. My body's going to get bored. Let's keep this fun. Let's keep this exciting. Let's continuously change things up. Let's not ever, ever allow ourselves to stay inside of a box. And if we do, we got to get out and just start making other people feel uncomfortable, trying these new things. And then the different kind of people that walk into our gym is just mind blowing. Like what you see on Instagram seems super extreme because of course I'm going to post the most extreme version of every move we have. But FYR on fire can show you that beginners also do it. We have a 74-year-old guy that comes to the gym four days a week. Is he doing sprinter burpees? Of course not, but right. there's always something for, for everyone. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I like that animal flow element in it too. Animal flow, it's like, it, it's a specific organization, but uses a, a lot of different movements, kind of a little bit of yoga sort of stuff, yeah. but really stitched together in a little bit more of a, of a fitness sort of um, uh, style. But it, kind of like what you're talking about with with doing timed rather than rep-based protocols, mm-hmm. it lends itself so well. Like you can do it fast, mm-hmm. you can yeah. do it slow, you can do it totally at a one level, you can do a completely crazy other level. It seems like it's it's kind of the glue that 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 really on the ground sort of movement is, is a lot of the glue in what I see in fire. Absolutely, like, yeah. we do this and then m- mix some weights in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it feels like with fire and with the way that you train, you've taken out the elements of fitness that I've personally railed against, which is the aesthetics. You know, I get really tired of clients bashing themselves because they don't look the way that they think they should or they haven't gained their muscle or they haven't lost the fat. And then you've also taken out the competitive aspect that you talk about with CrossFit. And CrossFit's amazing. It it, it took something and and got a lot of people excited about big movements and Olympic lifts, but it's competitive. And And not just with yourself. Not just with yourself, with everyone else. And in some ways that can be as detrimental as the aesthetics part where you're you're constantly bashing yourself, did not finish, not good enough, my PR's the same. And you seem to have taken both of those out and your, your program and FIRE is all about the movement. And it's all about do it fast, do it slow, do as many as you can, do as few as you can. But it's, it's not, you've, you've, taken the, you've taken the bad elements of fitness and just put back in the joy. And I don't have a question. I just wanted to <laughs> no, talk about the, No, it's great. And it's, it's so cool <laughs> that you guys can see that because I think that uh, this is what it's all about. It's just movement. Like it's not about winning. And, and this is something that I came from that mentality because – that's where I began this whole world was winning, right? Is that I want to win. And that was my mentality. But I did so much damage and forgot about integrity to my own self. 
as well as the people that surrounded me because I wanted to win. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrong state of mind to have. Like, redefine winning. You know, winning doesn't mean number one. Winning means that I'm going to move and I'm going to give my all and know that I'm winning just alone, just doing that, right? So to see the reaction of people or, or to, to be aware and listen to the feedback that people are giving us, especially when we're opening up, up the gym, it's like, this isn't about first place, you know? And, and something that was a really emotional, like, holy shit moment for me was um, whenever we opened up the gym and to the point of find your reason, this is where find your reason was born. I noticed that in, in, in CrossFit, you know, myself included, it's like your ego is a huge part of that, right? You never talk about pain. You never talk about anything. You just talk about fucking lifting heavy shit and like winning. And that was so wrong. And I remember saying like to Paolo, what do you want? What do you think these people want, right? Like why are they driving here for 45 minutes to do a class that they could have gone to Orange Theory that's right next to their house. You know, like, why? And I didn't know what I was doing, which is a lot of the time, a lot of the things that have happened in my career, I have been so naive to, and then I've had an oh shit moment, like, whoa, that's cool that we're able to do this. I thought that I was the only one that felt like that. And I said to Paolo, what do they want? What do they want? So we said, please anonymously write on a piece of paper what you want. What do you want through fitness? And I did. And everyone submitted them. And I just cried my eyes out. I still have those pieces of paper to this day. Because, yeah, you got the ones that are like, I want to win. Mm -hmm. I want to run a half marathon. I want to look good in my wedding dress. I want to uh, jump a 24-inch box. But then I'm going through and it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, I want to love my inner self. I want my partner to see me. That one, like, just stabs me in the heart every time. Mm. I want to be happy. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to inspire others. I want to be healthy. I want to live to play with my kids. Like, whoa, this is something that I had no idea that we were doing here. This is why people are driving 45 minutes. Because this is a feeling that they're getting. Not I'm winning or if I'm losing. They're feeling something that is breaking down barriers, right? Like, I would see it. Like people would come in and they're wearing baggy t-shirts and, you know, like the no makeup, their hair is just in a messy bun. And then a month goes by, two months goes by and something's happening that's got nothing to do with me. I'm coaching you, but you're releasing that feeling of confidence or love, uh, like a little bit more self-respect or self-love and having this, this aura about yourself. Now you've just got your hair done. Oh, girl, I see you in those shorts for the first time. You've got Lulu pants on now. You've got a sports bra with this tight shirt. Like, shit, Paolo, we're onto something here that is so much greater than we set out for it to be. So we listen and we're aware and we see that. And that's exactly what we adopted and brought over to Pumpfit when we opened up our new, st uh, our new space, right? Which the entire wall is that I want. So we painted what you want. And that was like, find your reason, right? Like, what is the reason that you do this? We all have our own and they are goals. Some of them are short-term goals and some of them are lifelong goals that you'll never quit on yourself, right? Like, I want to see this through. I want to never quit. Like, these are things that are like, okay, these go far deeper than the surface. This is shit that, I'm, you want this forever. This isn't something that happens in a month. This is a lifelong goal. And you're never going to quit on that, right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to quit on yourself. And that was a huge turning point for me, for Paolo, and for everyone. And now it's so evident that, yeah, we're here to sweat. We get a crazy-ass workout, but it is so much more than that. See, the, the only part of that that I disagree with, as you said, it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I feel like this, this approach, that there, it, does, it does demand somebody to help 
orient you and your, your personality is a major part of this, it seems like as well. So tell yes. me a little bit about how you came into your own as a teacher and as a coach out there working with people in this style. Um, the first time you were getting ready to teach a class in your own space, were you like, I belong here? Or were you like, I'm not ready for this. I do not belong <laughs> Man, here. Man, I did not feel like I belong there at all. I had a couple of moments that were like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Fight or flight, right? So a lot of things is timing as well. Um, and I kind of discovered my ability to help others by accident. It wasn't like I have a quest in life to, to you know, change lives through fitness. It wasn't like that mm -hmm. at all. I loved CrossFit and I loved teaching. And I, had, I realized I had a way of like connecting with someone and not seem like I'm just trying to tell them what to do. But I'm a practitioner. Like I do this too. I practice what I preach. I know what I do. And one of the best things that I ever was told, which was actually, I never would never bring up names, but the guy that burned me mm -hmm. was one of the best coaches ever. And he taught me a lot of what I know. So I know you know who you are. And <laughs> thank you for that, you motherfucker. I don't know. But he taught me a lot. And that was that I move well. So go up there and like tell them what you do. You know, and if you don't do something well, don't try and teach it. Mm -hmm. And so I would. I'm like, all right, well, I know how it feels. I know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to explain what I'm doing and try and connect with them rather than, okay, we're going to keep our feet. We're going to go for a triple extension. And, we, you know, like talking in, in, in terms that is like right. textbook. Textbook. Mm -hmm. It's just like words walking towards you. No, imagine jumping through the ceiling. I don't know. This is probably not making sense, but like, I have a different way of coaching that pe helps people understand on a human level because we're not all robots, right? We're not all professionals. And um, it was evident that people kind of liked my style of coaching as a CrossFit coach. And that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, but I would, I had an opportunity when I opened up the gym and I was becoming this, oh, sorry, before I opened up the gym and I was becoming like a CrossFit athlete, I applied for a contest, which was from one of my best friends that is still my best friend to this day, which is a huge part of why I do this as, for my career because he forced me mm -hmm. to start enter the competition. I'm like, no, he's like, do it or I'm doing it for you. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I entered and, and I made it to the finals of Reebok to be the face of Reebok mm -hmm. one, right? So that was a huge uh, part of my success in my career. But along the way, he was like, kept telling, he was like my mentor and, and, and he was not necessarily any big name in fitness, but he introduced me to CrossFit, the same guy that bought the gym and he pushed me and, and believed in me and saw potential as, as an athlete and as a coach. And he said like, Hannah, like, some people have it, some people don't. Like, you have it. Like, you can just c communicate with people. You can, um, like, have control of a room and people are, are actually genuinely interested in what you have to say because you practice what you preach. You're not just sitting here saying, do this, do this, yell at this. Like, I care. Like, I scream when people get PRs or I jump up and down when people go because I genuinely give a shit, you know? I think that's the the difference in training is, is just, just caring and, and relating to someone and understanding that, not everyone gets things one way and just keep going and keep going with practice and trial and error that you can help anyone. And that kind of helped me as a coach and, and, and kind of helped me help others, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. And did you, do you remember, was there a certain class where you're like, I think I get it now. This really is working for me. I, I, I'm here. Yeah, I remember uh, one of the first times we, well, I had to ask Paolo to help me. It was when we were doing, and again, this is something that I fought with, like, I'm so busy moving forward that I never really stop and see like what I'm doing mm. or like to your point about it's got nothing to do with me. And maybe that's why I'm, I'm, I'm humble in a way that I'm never satisfied. And I, I know that I have so much more to give and so much more to achieve, which is like a weird thing to think about. Right. But um, I had to ask Paolo to help me because the class was so big. And then that night he took me home and was like, do you understand what you're doing? I'm like, no. 
<laughs> huh? And then he's and he's always great at doing that. It's like stop and just look at what you're doing. Like you and and, and to this day, maybe it's a good thing because I feel like if I ever sit there and go, all right, I'm so good that my job is done now. Like fuck that. That's when people just lose themselves. Like no, there's no point where you you can stop learning on being better. Every coach should be coached. Every coach needs a coach, and every coach can be a better coach. So it's just uh, yeah, it was a turning point that night for sure. And then I mean, uh, I had a turning point. <laughs> which was an oh shit moment for Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, doing a, a live workout in Times Square as background talent for BJ Godore, oh, wow. right? Uh-huh. And it, we were on this show and whatever. And he said, maybe you need to step in for me. And I, and I didn't think much of it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh-huh. Like, there's no way. And then all of a sudden we're live on TV and your fa- my face was on this huge billboard in Times Square. And he's like, hey, Hannah, they need me. Can you be the backup trainer real quick? And I'm like, Shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got this. And I remember like my whole body is shaking, I'm wearing white shorts. Most definitely had a camel toe on live television. <laughs> like Hannah, you have two choices right now. You can either throw up and like pee your pants in the corner, run off, or you fucking fake it. So you make it girl. And I was gave myself a quick pep talk. I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. And I did. And I made it through that. And that was like, <sighs> okay, I did it. It wasn't so bad. And they all believe me, you know, like I wasn't faking anything. This is real. Like, Hannah, you have, the, you have the potential to do this. And all these little things gave me a little bit more confidence, a little bit more confidence. And then, I don't know, man, hmm. it's been an ongoing thing. I love that. That's a great what story. What you just said, that's a perfect summary of who you are, which is you're not faking anything. No. And this is, this is my <laughs> first time meeting you. I didn't get to meet you when you were filming Fire One. And so I had this idea of who you were. And all of our athletes, whenever they come to town, they end up being just warm, lovely, wonderful people. But you were truly the most different from what I thought you would be to what you actually are I would in love person. to know what you thought I would be <laughs> like. Um, I can be say careful. it all. <laughs> no, don't. Be well, real. <laughs> again, we've already mentioned like the super soldier from the future. I was like, this woman feels no pain. She's super intense. And I'd heard stories about, you know, you would be pushing these guys through three or four workouts a day and she is just an animal and a machine. So I had this vision of like an animal or a machine or someone who would be just so laser focused. And and yet you, I come in and meet you for the very first time and, oh, hi, Heather, how are you? And you give me a hug. And I'm just like... <laughs> okay, I don't know you, but I love that you hug. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the one thing that I want people who are listening to this, watching this to know is that Hannah's not faking any of it. She's 100% there with you. She cares about who you are. She wants to get to know you. It's not about, oh, I created this amazing workout. It's I'm doing this workout for you and I'm doing this. And that's, you know, so what you just said of I'm not faking any of it. And then in your workouts, you talk about how that builds confidence. I mean, you can fake it till you make it, but going through the motions is how you build up that confidence to where you no longer have to yeah. fake it. And I think being real with people and kind of, I feel very uh, grateful for the opportunity of social media in my career because it is a, it's a love and a hate thing, right? It's like, it's an incredible platform to be able to reach so many people. And with that being said, I think it's so imperative to understand the power of that, right? And I, uh, I'm extremely grounded at home. Like I am, have a really cool group of friends. Like nothing's changed from day one, from when I had no Instagram to whatever happens now. And it still blows me away that there's so many people that we're able to reach around the world. But that's so important to me to be real because unfortunately with so- social media has like grown this world of bullshit, which is so bad. And I just need people to know that it's bullshit and that anyone can do 
what I've done. I was not, and it's important that people know my backstory. I don't have a degree in business at all. Uh, it's a matter of, of course, I know what I'm doing now, but when I began, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I just knew that I loved what I did and that I could succeed if I refused to quit. And people need to know that. And people need to know that like, you're not going to get anywhere trying to be someone that you're not. And if you do, it won't be for long because people will smell that shit, whether that's a year, two years, three years, five years, it doesn't matter. Like this is me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. And you're going to start to love yourself a lot more when you can adopt that kind of like mentality than being so concerned about what other people think. I am very grateful to have like a, my husband that is like the rock in this whole thing, you know, that keeps me grounded, cools me on my shit and, and kind of puts me in check if I ever need it. But um, yeah, there is no magic pill. There is no magic secret source to anything other than hard work. And you can see out anything that you put your mind to. And I think it's important that people know that. And being real will, will get you a lot closer to that than, than faking it. So there's, there's one part of your backstory though that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the hair. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I'm sure you've told this story many times, but it's not one that I've encountered yet. Tell me, uh, tell me about that decision. Did you just go home to Palo one night? Like, guess what? Guess what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. And that was a turning point as well. Um, you know, at, when I began uh, as a CrossFit athlete, I was trying to make a name for myself uh, on Instagram and as an athlete. So I started, you know, I put a schedule together. And again, it didn't fall in my lap. I worked extremely hard on the social media thing and had this timetable every day of the week. There would be three posts every at certain times. And like, I had a plan, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I always cared a lot, even at that part. At that point, I was posting things maybe because I thought that I was supposed to post them, such as, all right, now I'm like getting a better physique. I should probably do a photo shoot like with lingerie, right? Because that's what all the other girls are doing. And if I post pictures in lingerie, then like I'm going to get followers and this is what I need to do. And I still had that mentality of, of, of I like want to call it like an older, an old mentality of Hannah, right? Which was, I did care about what people think it, were thinking. I did want to win and I wanted to have success for revenge. It was like this very different mentality. It was like a very angry mentality still, right? And then I had this turning point, which I had a dream that I had red hair, which is why I dyed my hair red. But I had like this, like realization that everything I always do is to try and impress other people. Like, why am I doing this? Like, you know, or I remember comments that my friends would say as I was starting to get into CrossFit, like, and they would really upset me. Like, oh, your traps are getting really big. Don't you think that you should probably stop doing CrossFit? Like, it's not very ladylike and all these things. And it would destroy me. And I was always like internalizing everything. And then when I had, I don't remember what the dream was, but I just know that in the dream I had red hair. And I, I woke up the next day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking dye my hair red. And this is going to be a point of me saying, I don't give a fuck. I'm so sick and tired of caring so much about what people think. I'm so self-conscious about, I had so horrible skin at that point, like horrible skin. Wouldn't leave the house without makeup on, which would make it worse. And like, I was just so concerned about being judged, right? And then I just had this thing. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done caring. And it was like a moment. And I did. I threw that out. I stopped giving a shit. I stopped. I went home, had this really long conversation with Paolo. It's like, why do we keep trying to do things to impress other people? Why do we keep trying to do things? And it was around the same time as the gym of like, why do we keep trying to build things for other people? Like, this is our life. We've got each other. We've been together a while. At that time, it was nothing. But now we've been together forever. It's like, why don't we just like try and build our own empire? And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to flipping burgers. I'll go back to slinging drinks and we'll make shit happen. You know, we'll find a career at some other point. So... It's been a, a wild ride, but 
it's been it's been crazy. Mm-hmm. So why red? <laughs> why red? I don't know. Just it was in the dream. And I, I asked my girlfriend, and I was like, hey, I want to have fire truck red hair. And she's like, uh, no. So <laughs> it took us about six months to get here. We tried it without bleaching. And now it's been, it'll be seven years this year of mm. having red hair. And are you totally married to this color now? Uh, honestly, well... That would be definitely a question to ask Paolo. You should see our house. Our bed sheets that used to be white are now pink. We've got like a, a white leather futon with a red patch right where Hannah sits. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, quite, it's quite a job. The maintenance is high. I hate it because I'm so low, low maintenance. Like I hate getting my hair done, hate like having to take care of it. But it is a part of the brand, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the day that I, I have black hair again. Mm. But it's one of the, this is a great thing as well, right? It's like, does it define me? Well, and this is, I'll be honest with you guys, right? This is why I still have red hair. And this is so you guys can see that we all struggle with certain things. In my mind, I'm like, my red hair has a huge part to do with my career. Mm-hmm. If I get red hair, well, the opportunity still, if I don't have red hair anymore, they, right. am I still going to, right? Am, Does anyone right? want me? Like, mm-hmm. you start to question these things. So I think it's a huge part of the brand right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be smart at this point to change it. But at some point, I'd love to have black hair and not worry about it anymore. So I'm, I'm going to put something out there. That's to outgrow your own brand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to put something out there. So when we were talking about just the, you know, really organizing the basics of, of Fire 2.0, I remember saying, can we have her dye her hair green? Because then we put her in front of a green screen, we can make it a different color for every yes. single workout. Just a, just a thought. It's I should Green do that. is freedom, but then you'll have green shit all over your house. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's, um, maybe, I don't know. I, I think I like that, though. <laughs> you can make it anything you want. Or... We just shave it off and we wear wigs. Yes. There, there is that. Uh, there are plenty of people doing that. <laughs> it's true. So, so I want to talk to you a little bit about, about carryover from your style of training, uh, physical and mental, right? Because I've, I've been reading a lot about specificity in training versus variety in training recently just because of the things that I'm training toward. And there are really there are two tracks that people take. It's like, here it is. Here's the thing you want to do. Just go right into it. Or there's the train around it, train around it, lots of variety. And uh, anybody who's familiar with with the videos that you've done for us knows there's a lot of variety in in what you do. And I was wondering how, first of all, physically, before we get to mentally, how you find that carries over to other activities. For example, you rode around the ring road in Iceland, which was, it's a pretty simple task. It's like you're on a bike, you're on the ground. How did everything that you've done carry over and prepare you for that? Yeah, I think whenever I kind of left the mentality of being an athlete, which was I was a sponsored athlete. You're getting paid to win, right, in that sport, which means I had tunnel vision and all I wanted to do was succeed in this one world, like in my lane, per per se, right? And then whenever I decided to stop competing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the same energy into business and see where this goes. But then when I switched from, all right, I don't really want to do CrossFit. And then the whole idea of why are we staying inside of a box? Let's stay outside of the box and bring everything in. Then it was, okay, the physical side of things is exactly why I am where I am, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fitness, the mental state of mind, this mindfulness, it all was born in fitness because it didn't exist before. Like, trust me, I, I was not who I am now before I started that one year in 2012 when I committed to, for the full year. Mm-hmm. And within that year, it, it kind of built discipline. It built determination. It built like if you set a plan, which was my training program at that mm-hmm. point, and you follow the necessary steps – Nine times out of 10, you would hit the one rep max that you're going for. Or in life, you would hit the goal that you're trying to achieve. And if you didn't, you don't quit. You just go a few steps back and you continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. So when I realized this mindset that fitness had built for me, I realized, oh, shit, this is way more than physical. Like, 
the physical side of things have created <clears throat> something mental, which for me, I call it like my mental game or my mental strength, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's very cold out here. <laughs> I know, I'm sweater. shivering over here. I know, it is cold. <laughs> and um, the whole aspect of being able to do anything that you can and now training for life, not for something in particular. Like I want to be able to put anything inside of a, a hat and pull it out and be able to be good at it. Um, and I think that if you have the right body, which I, I try and keep my body healthy and, and mobilize and, and push the potential to the furthest point that it's only going to help my mental game. Mm -hmm. So to your point about Iceland, um, I was not a runner or a cyclist whatsoever, I, ever. I don't think I'd ran... It's funny because I had I did uh, I joined Ashley Horner with her. Going to say you've done some adventuring yeah. with her, yeah, <clears throat> which was around Haiti for 230 miles. But it wasn't my mission, so it was very different. Mm. You know, I was I was more of a pacer. I'd jump in here and there. But before that, I had not run more than three miles. And then when she asked me, <laughs> yeah, when she had asked me, I was like, oh shit, this is in like a couple of weeks. I should probably see. I'm really fit, but I don't know if I can run distance. I should probably see if I can do like more than three miles. So I, I ran a half marathon, got a stress fracture and projectile puked as I like ran over the finish line. I'm like, all right, well, this all is right. great. Because in two <laughs> Good weeks- place to start from. Yeah, yeah, in two weeks, I'm about to be running around a third world country and then like for four days straight, like definitely got this in the bag. But that trip showed me my mental game was there. My mental game was so strong that I had no idea, but my body was breaking down because I didn't train for it, right? Which pissed me off because I'm like, I'm not even getting into that point in, up here because my body won't let me. Like I, I physically can't go any further because I'm not adapted to this new modality. So whenever, um, the reason why I did Iceland, which is a whole other deep, dark story, is because of a friend of mine that was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, Ashley and I, after Haiti, had joked when we went back to the orphanage. I was like, all right, what's next? And then it was a joke that said, all right, let's run 400 miles through Iceland. And then whenever my friend got sick, I immediately called Ashley and was like, hey, remember that joke that we made? Like, I need to do something. Like, I, I, was, I ran those miles with you for kids that we did something for such a great cause, but I didn't know those kids. I didn't know what I was doing until the day that I met them on the finish line. Like, this is my best friend, dude. Like, she's dying and she has a kid. And, and, and like, if I can do this for strangers, I have to do something for Jess at that point. So then I thought, you know what? This is going to be my mission and there's no fucking way that my body is going to be the reason why I quit because I'm going to do this shit. I went home. The 400 miles then turned into the ring road, which was 828.6 miles. And I'm like, all right, well, I can't run that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to include a bike and make this doable. So I did. And she was diagnosed in November. I got my coach December. And then I started training from December until July. And I did. And I committed to the training program in a modality that I have no experience in. I am not a runner. I am for sure not a cyclist. But... I'm going to fucking do this because my mind is strong enough and I know it is. Now I just need to make sure that I do everything in my power to get my body to cooperate with my mind. And so I did. I committed to the training. I started from the beginning, like with a 20-minute run, you know, and built our way up until they were five-hour runs or you've got to run for three hours, get on the bike for an hour and a half, get off, run another three hours. And then it was like six, seven hours of training a day and it consumed me. But what I realized is with the preparation of the physical for the training, and my mind was the strongest it had ever been because of the pain that I was enduring watching my friend mm -hmm. die, that I did it. And it's like, that is where it shows you that the body is an incredible thing. If you give it the opportunity to, to, to train and, and give it an opportunity to adapt and build to something new, 
that if your mind believes it, your body will follow. And, and I'm convinced by that. And that is something that I need people to understand that, yes, we're doing this to look good and to, to get a six pack and to have clothes that fit great. But this is so much more than that. Like, where can you go? Like, what else can I fucking do? Like, I've tested my body now. Now I need to test my mind. Like, what else can you possibly do? Like, I want to tap into these crazy places that most people won't call me crazy. Like I said, I, found it, I finally found this way to channel this like crazy part of me into something great. I did those 828 miles. I can check that off my list of feeling accomplished. We raised over $50,000 and we did something so good. And it was an opportunity for me to release pain that I was feeling at that point, to mourn and, and let go of all that shit. Like, how do you deal with your best friend dying in, in the public eye? You know, do you just delete Instagram and crumble up in this ball and cry? Because that crossed my mind every day. Or do you put it out there and be like, fuck, dude, no matter who you are or what you're doing, shit happens. Someone's handing some uh, cards from somewhere here and you got just dealt the worst hand possible. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do you do? How are you going to play this one? You know, so I tried to do something good with something so bad. And I think we managed to do it. And now I'm still not satisfied. Now every night I'm thinking, what the fuck is next? And that's the biggest question is like, all right, now you've done that. What are you going to do next? I don't know. And I, I'm excited. All I know is it will be something and it'll be better than what we did last time. And it's going to do something good. Mm. And maybe 2020 will be the year. No, I like it. So, okay, so, so you still keep those, those tests sort of, this, this is all preparing you for, all right, when I know it, I'll see it. And then I can just go after it yeah. fearlessly. Is that? Yeah, I think that, and excuse my French on this and everyone can have their own perspective. And I know I'm extreme and I know I'm an extremely intense person. I'm very aware of that. But like, if I'm physically strong, I feel like I'm strong in life. And maybe that's a, 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 like a, a God that I have, which may not be the best thing to do. And if that's the case, I'll figure that out along the way too. But when I don't train hard, I feel like a pussy. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry to say that, but like, I do, I truly believe like my mental game of being able to hold on for that extra rep, being able to do a wall sit when my body is shaking because my mind is still there, but my body is not responding. And they say, right, it's like, there's a 60% rule. Your mind will quit when you get to 60%. You've got far more to go on you. And, and I'm like, no way. I want to see, I want to see. And I mean, if I can do those 828.6 miles, like, there are so many people in this world that can do so much more than they're allowing themselves to do. Like, I know it's an extreme way of showing that to the world, but you guys, everyone needs to tap into their potential because we're so obsessed with like moving in this one way. It's like a line of ants just plodding along life. Like we're supposed to go, you know, ra be raised and eating certain things. We're supposed to go to school. We're supposed to do well in school. After school, we're supposed to go to college and after college, we're supposed to get this job. Do we want to live that life? Mm -hmm. There's so much more out there, you know? And it doesn't mean that you have to have the best grades. And I'm sorry, parents, for this, but it doesn't mean that you have to go to an Ivy League school of like so much pressure to do these things where... Checking boxes. Right, checking mm -hmm. boxes. Where's happiness? Or where's uncomfort in this? Because fuck comfortable, man. Life is so boring like that. And I, it, and maybe this is because I witnessed and was so, so close to death and was looking at it so closely, but like... It sounds so morbid, but we're all going to die. Like, and none of us, and more people need to be reminded of that. What kind of life do you want to live? Like, I want to literally be on my deathbed and know that I did some crazy shit, man. 
and and I have stories to tell, not I wish I did more. I wish I didn't work for the same company for 25 years and like hate and live paycheck to paycheck. Like, no, I roughed it out. Like we had nothing. We had no money. We left the bartending world, which gave us all the money in the world to take 20 steps back in our bank account so that we could jump 50 miles further, not really knowing if we were going to make it or not. But fuck, we did it. And, mm -hmm. and it's like taking that risk is the risk worth the, is the, risk worth the reward. Yeah, if you don't quit. Like, and, I, I, and it's just a whole different way of living. Like I wasn't, this wasn't meant for me, you know, and other people need to see that. And, and that don't be someone that you think you're supposed to be, be who you want to be and be anyone you want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. one, one thing you said in there that I really loved was you said, you know, not only where's happiness, like a lot of people, they look at those, they look at that list of boxes they're checking. They're like, where is happiness on there? You're like, where is happiness and where is discomfort? The two almost seem like, you, I know they're 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 part they're not even sides of the same coin they're kind of the, the same expression for you, um, and yeah I, I want to explore that a little bit more that that idea of discomfort and happiness, uh, and discomfort versus pain because it it really it it consumes a lot of the dialogue that happens during routines in, yeah. in fire mm -hmm. like we're talking about all right we're going to talk through this pain yeah I'm gonna I'm going to express you know, the word that you're shouting at the TV right now. Right. Is that, I mean, how, how, does, how does that factor into you, the, the, the way you imagine somebody going through this journey with you? I think that we, um, and before I go with this, I, and from a professional point of view, like there is a huge difference, right, between pain and injury. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, discomfort and pain. Pain would lead to injury. Discomfort just doesn't feel good. You know both. I know both, right. big time. And um, the whole like, this isn't pain, this is discomfort thing was when I was so close to watching someone go through pain. Like, if you really zoom out, I can tell you about pain and it is not what we're enduring inside of the gym. No, no fucking way. Not even remotely close to it. I've seen that firsthand. What we're doing is we're experiencing something uncomfortable that will lead to something greater than that. And it's like, we're so shied away from this feeling of discomfort and, and to the point of like checking the boxes off. And, you know, it's like, you're happy on the outside if your kids are Ivy League schools and the dad's a lawyer and mum's at home that doesn't need to work. Well, behind closed doors, mum's chugging her martinis every night. Kids are probably blowing lines in the back room and that you don't know about. And it's all like this bullshit of like perfection of what that's supposed to be, right? And so inside of the gym, when we feel this discomfort, or I, I can relate to this on a lot of ways when training clients, there's a lot of people that will be terrified of the feeling of like exhaustion. They think that they're dying if their right. muscles start to burn or they start to get a little bit gassed. They're like, like freaked out by these feelings because they're so used to feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, when you put yourself through that feeling, then it gets a little bit better, right? Now you're not so out of breath. Now those muscles don't hurt so much anymore. Now you've got a stronger body. Now you're feeling a little bit more confident. So all these discomfort, all that pain led to something that is so much better than what you think. And, and so I try and put that through. It's like pain is what you would endure if you kept it inside, right? So when I say like exhale the pain, when something's burning, physical feeling, I'm exhaling something emotional. You know, like, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I remember having to leave the hospital and going to get a workout in. I needed to because if I didn't, I have no idea what I would have done. Like that was my way of like having flashbacks of Im Im seeing things firsthand, but physically releasing that. Now, hopefully I don't get caught up on what I've seen before because I've released the pain from that situation that now I can like 
continue to move forward and not have nightmares about what I've seen or what I've felt or what I've gone through or whatever it may be for someone in their comparison to pain or whatever they've been a witness to or even like a victim of whatever you want to say, you know? So there is a big difference between pain and discomfort and that came about after last year. But uh, yeah, I think that we can all use fitness as a way to release negative, whether it means pain or anger or whatever it means, but something negative and put it into something that will at some point, may not be in that moment, will be great. Sure. Well, and, and, and <laughs> exactly. And, and one thing that I love about, about your approach, and I know plenty of other people do as well, is it's not like the standard old, you know, VHS videotape where you plug it in. Yeah, it's hard. The teacher says, good job, everyone. Great said, everyone. There's a, there's a little bit different um, approach. It's like... It's a rawness to it. Fuck. <laughs> and I remember the first time we watched um, a bunch of the Fire One footage, we were like, okay, there's a lot of swearing in here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really raw emotion and raw language in here. Like, how comfortable are we with this? And we're like, Jesus, we're, we feel pretty good. Like, it's awesome. It's a great experience. Um, did you feel like you needed to hold back ever? Or has this always been like, this is just who I am. I got to do it my way. Yeah. And uh, anyone that knows me, like, I, I am getting better with age. I do have a really disgusting potty mouth, which <laughs> maybe that's an English thing. I'm not sure. But... I'm just saying what everyone wants to say, man, you know, and maybe this is a fault. Like you said, like there is no faking it with me, which I'm very blunt. I'm very direct. But one thing that is great, I guess, is that you know that you're never going to get bullshit. And if you ever want an honest opinion, I'm your girl, I guess. Um, But yeah, I just say what people want to say. Like I feel what you feel. Like I'm feeling the same thing. And it's not like you get to a certain physique or a stage in your game that now all of a sudden this is easy for me. Mm -hmm. No, like the second that it feels easy, we're going to make it harder. Like there's always room to grow, right? There's always room to improve and get stronger and get fitter or whatever it may be. But I'm just being real. Like I'm saying what most people want to say. And a lot of times, of course, like we need to button her mouth and, 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 and not curse, but it works. And we discovered that at Pump Fit. Like we have a no kid rule because we say fuck so often. I was going to say, like, <laughs> yeah. is it just popping up out of the air? Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. It comes out the speakers when we're not there. And just <laughs> no, but we are. And, and we realized that it worked because uh, people just get in the zone and it's like, it's not, and, and I'm glad we brought this up about how it looks like the cyborg, right? It's like, and I'm so glad that I have the opportunity for stuff like podcasts and social, and Instagram stories now, because if you go to my page, I do look like this really tough, crazy bitch that you don't want to fuck with because she might hurt you. Like, mm. I'm the biggest <laughs> idiot that, like, can't take anything serious, but that one hour is when things get serious, right? But before the workout, everyone's laughing, joking, but as soon as we say three, two, one, everyone adopts that mentality in our, in our facility. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here. It's like other places, people are on their phone. They're like talking about what they're going to get at lunch next day. Like they're not there getting what people get when they do fire, right? It's like, this is, yeah, it's physical, but it's something else that will keep you in it. And the results will be better physically and the results mentally, you're going to tap into new new places that you didn't know exist. Sure. You told me about one great comment uh, in response to fire one yesterday where somebody was like, Hannah's such a bitch. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, true. And they'll be like, I, I, I'm, I know that I don't know you, but I've never cursed so much at someone in my whole life. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so, it's okay. So, so, let, so let's talk about Fire 2 a little bit. Um, tell, tell me about like, yeah, the, how, how you, what the, the feedback to Fire 1 was where you said, like, oh, I started to have this vision of, 
all right, here's what I want to do if I'm going to do another one of these. Like, what what experience did you want to give and what, um, what what vision do you have for this? Yeah, so with Fire 1.0, the, the response was insane, like we said, right? Which, to the point of someone doing it so many times, like, the, I can't believe it, but there was uh, only so many workouts within the program but yet people repeated it 11 times. That was my highest one. I had 11. So 11 <laughs> times. Okay, I just can't even get over that. That's, a, that's an intense year. Yeah, it is. And mm. which means back to back to back to back of these, these same workouts. I'm like, oh man, they need more, right? And everyone kept saying, is there going to be another one? Is there going to be another one? Mm-hmm. And then whenever, you know, we connected with bodybuilding.com and we were like, okay, let's make this happen. It was like, shit, the pressure's on. Fire 1.0 was so good. Like, how do we, how do we top that? Um, but my mentality as an athlete has changed a lot since a couple of years ago. And so I think that being able to evolve from where we began is huge. So Fire 1.0 was a great way for people to get exposed to my style of training, right? A lot of people have never done this kind of thing before. And no matter who you are or where you're at in your game, it will challenge you. doesn't mean that you can't get good at it, but it's different, right? It's like, if it, high intensity interval training has always been fashionably, there's just super intense cardio and burn, 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 burn. But I love weightlifting. I love kettlebells. I love animal flow. I love bodybuilding. Let's put it all together and see how this goes. So to combine both worlds together is not easy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a different monster, if you'd like, right? So fire was a great introduction to these moves. Everything was about moving fast, crushing shit, and just going for it. Whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Now, I think that whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced in your fitness game, you should follow those, pro- those three stages. Or even if you're fit and this is your first time with FIRE, you should still go f- beginner, intermediate, advanced and be able to return to the program and get something more from it. So when you say that, you mean follow somebody different? Yeah, so follow mm-hmm. Tana mm-hmm. for beginner, mm-hmm. follow Paolo for intermediate, and then come back and follow me for advanced. Why? Because if you jump straight to advanced, there's probably a lot in there that you're not feeling because you're just moving through it to be advanced rather than actually connecting with it mm-hmm. and, and getting through it, right? So I had this big change in mentality after my training for Iceland and after these extreme things that I've been doing, which is let's just stop moving from point A to point B, right? Like if we want to be doing this for a long time, we need to protect our body and understand longevity. So let's connect our mind to our muscle and actually understand what we're doing. And what I realized along the way is like, oh shit, and the results just so happen to be really good because the muscle, what we're doing to the muscle is it's responding more because it's actually engaging and talking to me directly rather than just knowing I need to be here to here. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this working with you? Absolutely. My mind? Makes okay. sense. Well, you look Makes at the sense. exercises and it's not that you're working chest one day and back one right. day and legs one day. You're working everything, everything every day. And in these, when you talk about the animal flows, these flows that look really odd and if you've never done them before they feel very very awkward uh-huh. you even mentioned that in one of the workouts that the first time I tried it, it looks like I was knitting with my legs yep and, that's true and but when you start kind of connecting all the pieces of your body together they do feel like a normal flow and it feels like how your body is meant to work absolutely. and it does absolutely feel like it's flexibility it's strength it's endurance it's intensity it's power it's all of it kind of together and yep. again not about the outcome but more about the movement itself, absolutely. Which, if you focus on the movement, will lead to the outcome. That you're and that's the, the the whole mentality behind the programming too, right? It's like we can all do the same thing, right? If we squat, we're all squatting, but I can control and connect my mind to my body, and I can squat, and you can just squat. We're both spending the same amount of time in the gym. My results are going to be ten times better than yours because mm. I've been able to connect. So that's my whole point with my mentality and behind fitness and and then life, right? It's like we can all move through certain things, but if you really connect to your body, 
what else can you do? And that's that same mentality with Fire 2.0, right? So in Fire Original, we had a lot of the animal flow, but we're just moving. In Fire 2.0, we have we're playing with dynamic, we're, we're playing with pace. So we're making things dynamic, we're making things tempo. Now, if you really try and slow things down, they get really, really hard. And we've always been accustomed to, if you're fit, that means you're moving fast, you're moving heavy, and you're moving like right now. Nah, you are fit that way, but I'm looking for strength, right? I'm not trying to win anymore. I want to be healthy, but I'm not trying to get first place. I'm trying to get the most out of what I can. Obviously, we're doing it for aesthetics, but I'm trying to see what I can do or see how much pain I can endure. So how slow can I do this? And there's a great quote that you're going to hear a lot throughout the program, which is, slow is strong and strong can be fast. Like, think about a bicep curl, a press. If you have 20 pounds in your hands, we can all move 20 pounds from here to here if we get momentum. But if you really slow it down, like you're stuck in slow motion, who can do that? Not many people. Mm -hmm. And then we relate the physical to life, right? And we say this a lot. It's like, stop trying to hide behind momentum. Face you. Face reality, right? Like, it may look like you're strong, but when you really slow things down, are you as strong as you seem? And that's the whole mentality of my mental game that went into Iceland, my mental game that I compare from my mental game in life and fitness. And I really think we've done a good job of bringing that over to fire. Mm. You know, we can, and then, then I talk about it too. Like there's obviously, there's still the beginner, intermediate, advanced. We've also added five more bonus workouts because the core 15 workouts are around 30 minutes, but they are all full body focused. But the bonus workouts are goal and body specific. So whether it means upper body, lower body, or cardio blast, core blast, they're very short. 10-minute time crunch workouts that you can stack on top and you'll see that you will. So the, our feedback from Fire 1.0 is that people would just kept doing it without even being told. Mm. So we decided with Fire 2.0 to create some kind of protocol that these guys could get the ultimate experience from this one program. So we have three phases and throughout the phases, you start to progress. For the first one, you only have certain 10 workouts. Phase two, you'll have your 15 workouts with a few bonuses. And then phase three, you have it all. 15 workouts, five bonuses, and you just crush it. And it's a really good way to kind of like uh, build on, a, on top of one program, be able to revisit it and get something new and never get bored. Cool. Hmm. And, and now one other thing that happens when you slow things down is you might add a little bit more muscle, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that tension is, it's going to give a, a little bit more of a hypertroph hypertrophic <clears throat> sort of response um, and that's, that's, that's something that we see in a lot of CrossFit athletes now too, is they're doing a lot more bodybuilding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, they realize like, Hey, muscle is, is actually kind of life for athletes. Yeah. And I was wondering how, how your view on muscle has changed over time and how that influences this particular program. Yeah. Um, I lost a lot of muscle after Iceland. I laugh and say that I ran my legs and my ass and left them there, which is true. Um, so whenever I came back, my mentality on slowing things down has always been there, but not quite as much. But time under tension work will grow, will make you grow. And uh, this is important. I love learning new things and, and teaching this as well. It's like your body's respond to, your muscles respond to stress. So they don't necessarily know the number that you're lifting. Your muscles just know that it's fucking heavy or that you've been holding on for a long time. So the mentality of having to lift a heavy number, 
I've dropped since CrossFit, right? Like I don't think I've, li- I don't lift over a hundred pounds ever unless I decide to go back in and dabble in that, in that sport. Mm-hmm. But it's switching it up and now forcing your body to exert more energy and more control over a lighter weight because it's an unstable environment. So in Fire 1.0, you see a lot of single kettlebell work. In Fire 2.0, you see a lot of double kettlebell work because your body is forced to engage and stabilize this unstable environment that it has, it's not used to. So now you're using every single piece of your body when you're focusing on an upper body movement, you know? So connecting your mind to body, understanding that time under tension will give you muscle, also build your mental game through that pain threshold, but also give you more results is, it's, it's what I like now. And I kind of feel like I've been able to show that in this program. Mm. Do, do, do you have any um, fear that people will be like, well, but you know, I, I, I lost so much weight. I had this great transformation experience with fire. I, I, they still have that fear of muscle, you know? No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all because of the fact, the cardio acceleration, right? It's like cardio acceleration uh, is a huge thing for Jim Sapani as well, right? It was like you, you combine intense cardio with resistance work to, to get better results. So you won't, you will shed fat. You can build muscle if you'd want to, but you also won't lose the muscle that you're building because of the way that we've programmed the workouts Mm -hmm. with the interval training, short bursts of rest with a lot of high intensity or slow and time under tension work. Mm. And it also seems like, you know, since the the time when your career started, it's getting more and more okay all the time for men and women both to be like, all right, I want some muscle. Fuck yeah. You know, more and more, like we're moving in that direction just health-wise as a society, like, mm-hmm. yeah, mus- muscle's a good muscle's thing. Muscle's a good thing. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of want to ask you what you feel like the ideal way to experience these two programs is. For somebody who maybe they did fire, not 11 times, but, you know, 10 times, or, or one time, <laughs> okay. and it was a year or two ago, and they're like, all right, uh, I'm thinking of doing it again before I do fire two, or I want to do fire two, and then I'll go back to fire one. Like, what's the, what's the Hannah approved? Okay. Well, progression here. a lot of people, whenever we announced that we were doing Fire 2.0, were like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go back, do Fire 1.0 so I can get ready mm-hmm. for when 2.0 comes out, which is a great opportunity and a great option uh, for a lot of you, especially if you've never done my style of training before, because mm-hmm. there are so many weird and wonderful things. With that being said, if you have the time and the mental game to commit, I would do Fire 1.0 and start with the beginner. Even if you're extremely fit mm-hmm. because there are a lot of weird and wonderful moves that we're doing that are new to anyone. I wouldn't expect anyone to be able to go in there and crush it. You might be good round one, but round two, round three, it's a whole different animal. So understanding the movements is huge. So I would suggest going back to 1.0, whether you repeat it more than once is up to you. Now with Fire 2.0, I try to make it clear in the programming and I hope that this can get across too, which is even if you're the fittest in your game, start with beginner because it's still really hard but it's a different approach on how we're doing it right so and I'd rather you and and then also I guess it's up to the individual so that's a question they need to ask themselves are you trying to lose weight or are you trying to gain muscle because if you're trying to lose weight there's a lot of things and just for an example like um going for optimal output with every movement so if you're holding a kettlebell in front rack position it's still in front rack if it's here or if it's here but if you're resting it on your chest your lats and your upper body aren't working as hard than if oh, you'd be holding it's easier. it. It's a lot easier, right? It's a lot easier. You're oh, still doing the same movement. Right. And then I would say, depending on where you're at, from your coach's point of view, I would rather that you guys be able to go unbroken for 30 seconds with beginner than 
do one rep at an intermediate and advanced and have to break your 30 seconds. So it's, again, Paolo says this all the time. It's like, check your amigo because we're not going for weight. We're not going for reps. I'm going for optimal output with every single move. The slower you go, the more of a badass you are because the slower you go, the heavier that shit is. It is strict strength, no momentum behind any movement. And that's where the real good stuff happens. And it makes lightweight incredibly Oh, yeah. Heavy. Well, Extremely the, heavy. Yeah, that's where the repeatability comes in is there's no trophy at the end. Right. Except that you just did except the that program. Hyper, yeah. That hyper trophy. And now right? You can, yeah. <laughs> just the goose. And now you can go back and do it again and you can always find something in it. Absolutely. There's, I mean, you can even go beginner- intermediate, advanced, and you can still oh, go yeah. that cycle every over time. And, over and, and something over that people say, and, and, and this isn't to offend anyone, but everyone will be like, how can I make, oh, this is too easy. Fuck off, is this too easy? All right, <laughs> let's just get something straight. I can show you these moves. I can give you the time. I can tell you what kettlebells to use. But one thing I can't control is your integrity or your intention behind every movement. Like manual resistance. I could make myself cry and get jacked right now with not one weight in my hand by squeezing and engaging my mind to, all right, engage your bicep, flood it with as much blood as possible, make it as hard as you can. I can't do that, that's up to you. You wanna make it harder and this is too easy for you? Well, you're not pushing hard enough, you know? Like I can turn that right back around. So it's, it, there's, there's no ceiling with these, with these styles of training. There's not a ceiling at any point. So whoever you are, Wherever you're at, if this is too easy for you, come down to Florida and we'll make this shit happen. I can guarantee you I'll leave you crying. See, and a little, a little bit of what you're saying there reminds me of Chris Gethin um, because he, he's, another, he's another person who like, God, he'll, he'll, use, he'll, use, he'll slop his way through a giant weight sometimes, mm -hmm. but he'll also slow things down. So you want to make it tough? We can make it really tough. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, being involved with bodybuilding.com and really having a toe in that world of bodybuilding, how, how, that's, how that's brought some, of, some different personalities and different influences into the way you do things. Uh, so say that again? I, I, was wonder, I was just wondering how, you know, um, being exposed to the world of bodybuilding and bodybuilding.com, how that's how that's changed how you do things. And if you ever really imagined like, oh my God, I'd be hanging out with these gigantic jacked people sometimes. No, I didn't actually. And it's funny because um, bodybuilding.com, I, before I was involved with you guys, I always just thought like strong, big, jacked people, you know, meatheads. Until I realized like that us. it's, yeah, just like you guys actually. <laughs> and then I realized that it's not about that. Bodybuilding.com is not about uh, literal size. It's about building your body, right? Like in any way or aspect of that may be. But being exposed to these guys and watching them move definitely has inspired certain things that I that I I do and being close to enough to Chris Gethin and being able to see what Jim Stepani does and growing up and, and looking at bodybuilding.com as I got into this as a career, like that definitely has an influence. I just keep my eyes open and keep everything open because I'm just always looking for new things to switch things up and to make things harder. And and don't get me wrong, that I'm sure there is need for the bro reps where you're right. just mm -hmm. jolting every weight, weight just to feel that weight, but just not in this style. And, and there's no rules, right? There's, and no one owns fitness. So we just make it anything that we can. Mm. So, so, all right, now that we've got this wrapped up here, what's what are you going to do next? How do you, what do you do after a two week production like this? And and you know what what goals do you have on the horizon? For yeah, yourself? I mean, um, there's a lot of things that are going on right now. Uh, back home, I just opened up another um, studio, which will be a film studio, where I'll be filming some follow along workouts. Oh, cool. Yeah, I actually start filming on Monday, so we go straight. This whole month is going to be <laughs> right nuts. in. I can't wait. Um, but we've got a lot of really cool things going on. I've got a fitness retreat going on in Costa Rica in May next month. We've got the gym in Fort Lauderdale. And the biggest question that everyone keeps asking me is, uh, what's next after Iceland? Um, 
and I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. And I would love some suggestions. And who knows if you guys want to come with me mm. and and experience that. You know, that was a an incredible journey of so much failure that led to success. Mm. Um, and I really want to show that again. You know, to the world in other ways that. Every day in Iceland, I managed to do it. The goal was eight days. Uh, I did it in nine days, but every single day there was multiple breakdowns, but I didn't quit. And with just the right support group and and having the right people around me and uh, understanding my reason as to why I was doing it was so powerful that I could continue um, and keep keep pushing through and that anyone else can do that too. Mm. I mean, if you're looking for something, like for me, um, the ultimate test of fitness has always been the mountains. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest or one of those truly, you know, oh, yeah, right. like, not, not like, you know, right. I'm going to put this, but, but you know, uh, epic hike across a mountain range or, you know, climb, climbing a mountain doesn't have to be technical. That, that to me is just, it's, it rem- always remains out there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to see how well everything I'm doing actually translates. Yeah. The mountains are the mm-hmm. ultimate test. So I'll just put that word out I like that. that. Word and my brother is actually a climber and he's like, we're looking at like the Grand Tetons and mm-hmm. really going mm-hmm. to see oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to do something that's extreme, you know, that is like impossible because I want to prove that it's possible mm-hmm. because what I did shouldn't have been possible, but my my mind game was there. And, and you just mentioned something that I think is so important, which is the ultimate strength, right? Uh, and to me over time, it began as the ultimate strength is how much, how many pounds can you lift on a bar? And then it came into the ultimate strength is like, what can you do with your life? And now my mentality is the ultimate strength is intangible and has been my biggest weakness my entire life, which is controlling emotions, which is something that you can't physically see, right? It's like, that is the ultimate strength is being able to own and control your emotions and, and deal with it inside of your mind before you externally react to something. Mm. So I think going to the mountains and being put in these extreme conditions where it's out of your control, that tests your ultimate strength. And that's what I realized in in Iceland, you know, I mean, so many factors came into play that were out of my control. And control is a huge thing for me, clearly a a weakness, right? Or exercising has helped me exercise control in a manner. And I talk about owning every inch of your, of your movement and having control over everything that you do. When I'm put in a situation where the wind is working against you, the tire, the bike is broken down or it's raining and you can't see your hand in front of your face. What do you do then? Do you, do you crumble? Which I did. Mm -hmm. And then have to figure out a way to emotionally and mentally build yourself back up inside so that you can externally perform. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at now. It's like, that's, that's the next test of me. I want to be put through shit that most people would quit right. and, and, and just see physically. I know my body can handle it, but can my mind, mm. you know? I like that. Yeah. yeah. People think in terms of, oh, are you going to crumble or are you going to keep going? But what I hear is, yes, you crumble and yes, you keep yeah, going. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, the, that's the great mm-hmm. thing about a journey yeah. like that is it's, it's totally beyond all the little pleasant platitudes and all the bumper sticker shit that we tell yep. ourselves. It's like, yeah, I'm going to suck. I am going to have a complete breakdown here. And then we'll get up and, and we're keep gonna going. keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that happened daily. And, and, you know, we say this all the time. It's like the hardest part is starting. Yeah, it is. Every day was fucking excruciating trying to stand up and walk. I could barely even touch my legs. My joints felt like they were just snapping every time I put my foot on the floor. But it wasn't about that. It was so much greater than that. We sat down every morning with these stories and 
I, I wasn't doing 828.6 miles for Hannah. It was for everyone that has had to face cancer in any way, for everyone that has gone through any pain. Like all of that is pain. What I'm feeling is just a slight understanding of what discomfort could be in comparison to people that have died, fought and survived, or that have lost people to cancer, right? So every morning we'd have uh, a binder of stories that I'd ask people to, to write me an email and tell me, I want to dedicate miles to someone. So who am I doing this for? And every morning it was like a good punch in the throat. It's like, fuck off, Hannah. Stop complaining. You're alive. You're breathing. You can walk. Get the fuck up and finish the miles that you said that you would do because it's for whoever you're reading about. And then every morning, that's all I needed was an emotional switch to understand that this isn't about you. You're going to heal. You're going to survive and you're going to be okay. Get up and move forward. And every day it was the same thing. And we did it every single day. And it was just such a eye-opening experience because of the switching mentality, mentality from day one for the rest of the days as well was I put these hard rules and expectations on myself to bike 50 miles, run 25, bike 50 miles. I knew I had a certain amount that I had to complete throughout the day. And, and I tried that day one, but again, all of those things that were out of my control, the wind was working against us. I naively and foolishly refused to check the the the, the elevation because I didn't want to know because I'm like, I'm doing it. The world is flat. That, that that's, ver that's the vertical literally. stuff. It's all in your head, man. Have you seen that yet? <laughs> so someone said to me, they go, it is not real. They go, hey, so is, there, is it hilly? I'm like, no, it's Iceland's flat. <laughs> I lied to myself because I had been there a month before in a van and then realized that every time we were driving, I was asleep. And every time we were driving, there's like climbs like this. <laughs> Thank God I didn't know that beforehand. But day one, it was like this, 12 mile an hour winds coming against me, rain, the cars are trying to kill me. Like it was right. nuts. And I had a mental breakdown because I'm like, I will not stop until I hit my 112 miles. And it destroyed me. And it, I, the goal was to work for 12 hours, rest for 12 hours. But because I was so stubborn and had all these hard expectations of myself, I failed. Mm -hmm. I, we were working till three o'clock in the morning. That was day one. <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck am I going to wake up at seven and do this all over again? Like, it's not sustainable. So I had to check my ego and have a really serious talk with myself alone and be like, all right, Hannah, you know that you have 12 and 12. And that's the only way that your body is going to be able to sustain doing this. You need to recover in between because it's just not humanly possible to go unbroken. You need sleep. It's the most important part of recovery. So I switched my mentality and just put, stopped putting so much fucking pressure on myself. I'm like, you know what? We're going to work for 12 hours and we're going to rest for 12 hours. What you do in those 12 hours is up to you. You have a good day, fucking ride the highs. You have a low day, we'll push through it. It's like Ev Russ Edgeley had the same mm -hmm. approach, yep. basically. There like we you go. Break yep. it up. You, you, can't, you can't meet a can't, mileage can't, thing. No. You can only do the time. And I did it. There's, and every day... That's fire. We hit every <laughs> single distance because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, some days we overdid it, some days we underdid it, but guess what? We did it. And right. it doesn't matter how it was done. Everyone's got their own way of doing things as long as the end of the mission was complete. That's all that matters. Hmm. Well, well, so, so Hannah, uh, thank you so much for coming for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys it. so much for having me. And um, sorry if I talk too much. Oh, uh, no, no, no. This is the norm on this <laughs> podcast. So tell, uh, tell us where people can find you online. Yeah, uh, social media is a huge part of what I do. Instagram, it's Hannah Eden underscore fitness. Uh, also got a website, HannahEdenFitness.com, where all my programs are available. And our gym in Fort Lauderdale, Pump Fit Club. Dot com or two of them, you said? There's one, and then okay. the other one will be a private oh, closed gym. Yeah. Fantastic. So All right. Through. Yeah, and Fire 2 is either out now, depending on when this comes out, or coming out soon. So yeah. stay, stay tuned for it. All right. And enjoy Hannah. it. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank guys you. so much.